We're gonna continue with our series on our identification with him, the power of your identification with Christ. And we're talking about your identity. This is week two, so we're just gonna jump right into it. You know, I didn't mention this last week, but the word identification, so this will be kind of a foundation for you. When we say identification with Christ, we're saying a mouthful. We're, we're saying something that shakes religious thinking. Because the word identification means to treat or consider as one of the same. Now, if there's any religious just things in you, it's going to shake that. Because you're saying, what? To treat or consider as one in the same. So your identification with Christ means that you're identified with him. That you're one in the same with him. This is, and, and if you don't understand this, you'll never understand righteousness, which means you'll never be able to unlock all the epistles, all of Paul's writings. Because you have to know who you are in Christ. Being identified with Christ, what that means is that you are treated or considered as one in the same. Now that, that's amazing. Doesn't the Bible say things like, as he is right now, the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords, as he is, so are we in this world. Are you any different? Is your body any different than your head or is it all one? Right? Well, Jesus is the head and we are his body. This is really amazing. And this is why if we don't get our identity in him, we're always going to be messing with those. Remember last week we talked about three determinisms? You're always going to be messing, or I should say it this way, the three determinisms are always going to be messing with you. Remember how people normally get their identity? That, that first of all, that genetic determinism, right? Well, I, you know, I am because of the family I was, uh, I am who, who I am because of the family I was born in. Or the environmental Determinism. Well, the reason why I am what I am and who I am is based on my environment. I don't know about you. I'm so glad my identity is not based on the environment that I was raised in. That would have been a nightmare, right? Because I was raised in a nightmare environment. And I could tell you this, how I walked free from all of that was finding out who I was in Christ. To where now, today, there's no residual of that. Oh, the enemy will throw a thought every once in a while. But it sounds like a scratching chalkboard because I live in the light. I live on my path. I live in the truth. So whenever the enemy comes with his lies, I'm like, that's not me. Right? Or remember, the here's the other one, the big one. That psychological determinism. That I am what I think I am. Well, you got to be careful about that. Right? You know, so many Christians, they get in this because they're not, they're not living open to the Lord. Remember, I don't know if, it wasn't that long ago where I, where I just kind of went on a side journey. I mean, I know I never do that really when I teach, but once in a while, I, yeah, what are you guys laughing at, right? I go on this little side journey and, and, you know, being led by the spirit of God, do you know, he never lines up with you and I, we always must line up with him. He's God, right? And he bears witness with our spirit, who we are, that we're a child of God, the word of God, I mean, how many times have you heard this just this year, that the word of God is a lamp to your feet. It tells you where you are and a light to your path. Do you know how many years or how many times in 14 years people have come to me and told me that God is leading me to do something? 
And you could tell by the fact that their whole conversation with you is void of scripture, that they're trying to figure it out in their mind. And especially as you walk through life, you know, you know some scriptures and, and, and you know, you, you, you hear a lot of stuff and then you start playing, your mind will play games with you. And all of a sudden you'll think it's God when it's leading you right away from where you need to be right in the middle of. I'm, you know, I know when we were, when, uh, when the Lord was talking to us about pioneering, he wanted to pioneer a work in this city. I know there were three scriptures that exploded in my spirit. And those three scriptures, they hold me. Now I had no idea the magnitude of why, but now I know why. I mean, the first one, man, Psalm chapter one, verse three, every time, you know, I, the, the enemy will throw thoughts that faith family church is never going to become what God wants it to. I always think about, wow, you know, I'm going to be a, ch- I, if I just delight myself in the word and meditate in his word day and night, I'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water, Right? I mean, I'll always have more than enough provision to do everything God's called me to do in this earth. My leaf is never going to wither. So although I might age on the earth, my leaf will never wither. Man, everything will always be fresh. Right? I'll yield all of my fruit in my season. So in context to our church, Faith Family Church will yield all of its fruit in its season, right? And then I love the last part, which is what the focus was with the Lord. I mean, all the parts were big, but the last one, and whatever he does shall prosper. It's a little vague, but if you look at the Hebrew words, whatever he does will be brought to maturity. I don't bring it to maturity, God will bring it to maturity. So every time the enemy tells me, man, this church is never, it's never going to be what, what God wants it to be. I'll, I'll laugh and I'll stand before, I'll, I'll just start laughing and go, no, 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 no. God's bringing it to maturity. Right? No doubt in my mind. Right? Another one, we, we don't have time to go into all of them, but Joshua 1.5. Had no idea. Man. No man will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And that that Hebrew word, God was telling Joshua, no man will be able to stand in front of you and block you from doing what I've called you to do. So no man can stop what God wants to do here. Isn't that awesome? Well, I might as well tell you the last one. Isaiah 54, right? No weapon that is formed. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Man, we've had, we've had interesting situations. You know, we've had people who had our church list and was inviting everybody in our church to go to another church. Jeanette's like, well, what are you going to do about it? We'd stand, we'd stand in our house and go, guess what? Here's what we're going to do about it. Father, we just thank you and declare that no weapon formed against this church will prosper. Right? That's what we do. And every tongue that rises up against us, I didn't realize the magnitude of that part of it. Because I didn't realize, you know, you think about, well, every tongue, it's, it's all these tongues, you know. I mean, we've had some funny stuff happen. One guy somehow got a picture of me. We used to have a Christmas tree for Christmas in our sanctuary. And they said I was a pagan worshiper. And they had a picture of me <laughs> standing next to the Christmas tree. I'm like, are you kidding me? Or, you know, but, but those, that, the, the tongues of what other people have said about me, that's been so minimal. You know, you know the tongue that I've really had to use that scripture against? My tongue. Right? That, it, well, that scripture will keep, man, I'm telling you, I'll say something stupid, and immediately I'm like, Lord, I don't believe that. I know I just spoke that, and right now, with the authority you've given me in the name of Jesus, I curse that word. It cannot produce anything, any death in my life. 
right? So, so this is why we're talking about identity. Because what happens when you learn who you are, you start, instead of living your life like this, if this is your life, instead of living like this, like, man, it's just all about me and my focus, you start to go, when you find out who you are in Christ, and you realize that this life is not about me living for him, it's, about, it's all about him living through me. That what happens is you go like this. And you go like this. And this is the way you live now. This is your life. It's like, Lord, what, not my will, but your will. I know you're good. I know your way's better. But if, but if you don't live open, what'll happen is you'll be like me for years. You know, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want, but you don't fill in the whole blank on that as long as it's this. Right? Because sometimes you gotta, you gotta get planted to really grow. If you take a plant and you keep transplanting it all over the place, it just is never gonna reach its maturity. But here's the problem. Planting sometimes seems boring. And when you have the internet and there's every incredible thing that your flesh can go crazy for, or there's every incredible gift on the internet that your spirit can go, wow, that's really cool, and wow, that's really cool, and pretty soon you're listening to a bunch of word, but you're not hearing any of it because you start to listen to it without the discipline. See, when I, like right now I'm preaching, and right now I, am, I have already put myself in place to discipline I'm disciplining my mind and disciplining my flesh so that what I'm hearing come out of my mouth, what I'm hearing, I'm intending to live. Because, see, James tells us when you just hear, if you're just a listener of the word of God, that means one who listens with no intent to practice what he's listening and, and you could do that really easy because, you know, we're in a society, we're moving 90 miles an hour. Man, I could look at, I could, I could watch 20 videos on different aspects of the word in a day and just like, wow, I learned another thing. And wow, I learned another thing. And it's like, time out. God's over here going, time out. Come on, you are trying to learn calculus and you really haven't got this addition thing down yet. Right? And he's a good father. And he knows when to slow you down. But so our part is to just stay open. And a big part of openness is you have to know that your life is identified with Christ. It's not about you living for him. It's not about what you do for him. It's about him living through you. Oh, don't trust me. You focus on letting him live through you and you will stand before him one day having yielded all your fruit in your season, you will have done everything he's called you to do. Yeah, but pastor, I, I messed up. I've wasted decades. Don't worry about that. He redeems the time. He's got you. And you'll, you'll be right there. So this is huge. This word means to treat or consider identical. You have to look at yourself as I am Jesus in this earth. He's my master. He's my Lord. But I am one spirit with him. My complete and total identity comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from what other people say about me. It doesn't come at all from what my parents said about me. Right? Doesn't come at all from that. It doesn't come at all from what people See, see, this is what happens. People who have no ownership in your life will want to tell you what to do and where to go, right? All this stuff. Have you ever noticed somebody gets upset at the company they're working for and they're distraught? What are the first thing they do? They talk, they talk to everybody about what's wrong with all. And if you listen to that, man, you could leave that company where God wants you. You got to be careful. So, this is, this is why we have to get very in tune with this. My complete identity comes from him. 
So it all comes from him. It's all found in him. It's not found in anything else. It doesn't come from my accomplishments. It doesn't come from what I do, right? My identity identity is not in being a pastor. I thank God every day. I mean, I just, I can't see myself doing anything else. You know, I, I did the whole the whole sales thing and sales management and all that stuff, and it never fulfilled me. And, and, and I never operated on, on the level that I operate here because I operate in the anointing on a divine level. But it's the same. You don't, that, you don't have to be in the ministry to, to experience that. That's anything you do. Everybody in this room is a full-time, full-time minister of the gospel. You're not part-time yeah, but pastor, I don't, I don't get paid for the ministry. Oh, no, you do. You absolutely do. Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything will be added to you. Amen. So actually you do. You're just disguised as different things. Because Jesus needs us in every crevice of society, right? This is huge. Who I am It comes from Christ. He is the vine and I am the branch. His life, it comes from him. My identity comes from him. And remember we said this, remember in the last week in Matthew, that interaction between Jesus and Peter. Hey, who do men say that I am? And then God the Father, by the Spirit of God, reveals to Peter and he says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus says, listen, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven revealed that to you. Right after that, we have Jesus saying, you are Peter. He literally, when, when the, the principle in the word of God, and we're going to see it in other places, when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you will also get a revelation and discover who you are in him. No revelation of who Jesus is, it's impossible for you to know who you are. So either keep that process going or start that process, right? It's it's a wonderful process. So my identity, who I really am, is all wrapped up in who he is. Everything. See, because this is what happens. If your identity is in how much money you have and the status that that gives you in the world, what happens if all of a sudden something happens and that changes? And whether you're driving a $150,000 vehicle or whether you're driving, you know, a, a wrecked vehicle should not affect, should not affect your how content you are how you dress, how people treat you, right? Jeanette and I used to play games when we lived in Southern California. we dress really casually and go to South Coast Plaza. Remember when we'd do that? Dress really casually. And we'd walk into some of the nicer stores and they would ignore us. <laughs> but then I'd put on my Rolex presidential, which was my identity. Still really wish I had that. Because I really like it. I could actually enjoy it now. It was, like, it was like cuffs on me before. But man, it's amazing how you're treated differently when you kind of dress nice and you have certain jewelry on. Oh, how can I help? They remember your name. You could be, you got to be real careful because your identity could get wrapped up in that and your identity is to be wrapped up in Christ. You have to become deadened to the praise of men and the persecution of men. Because I'm telling you, there's one person in your life that will persecute you more than probably everybody else, and it's it's you, right? There's people that their identity is wrapped up in the fact that they went bankrupt. And I'm a failure because I went bankrupt. Or here's a big one. You know, man, I, I, I went out, I did this, I did that, and I was convicted, I was a young man and I was convicted as a felon. And so now my identity is I'm a convicted felon. Right? That's not your identity. 
your identity is wrapped up in Christ. Amen. Amen. We have to know this. We discover who we are as we see who he is. We said that last week. We'll probably say that every week. We discover who we are as we see who he is. You can never discover your true identity, and here's the thing, until you completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord. You have to surrender. No longer my plan, but your plan. No longer, no longer my ideas, but your ideas. Where my will now becomes one with his will for my life. That's when you actually find out what life really is. So turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want to read this real quickly. We, went, we kind of broke this down last week. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. We're going to look at the first three verses. Because what we're talking about is what Paul termed in Galatians as Christ being formed in you. And Galatians talks about it, but Colossians breaks it down. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you be risen with Christ. Literally, it would read like this. Since you were risen with Christ, what are you to do? You're to seek. This Greek word literally means to pursue with all your heart. Now, if you're pursuing something with all your heart, is there anything left to pursue anything else? There's not. So you're to pursue with all your heart those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, right? The position of ultimate authority. You are to seek with all your heart the things that are above. And then it says this, deliberately set your mind. That word affection means your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. What is it getting ready to tell us? It's telling us how for Christ to be formed in us. It's literally giving you a roadmap to to build who your identity is. Uh, Finding it, discovering it, and this is how Christ is formed in you. As a pastor, that's the passion of my life, is to see Christ formed in people. I love that. I could only do that if Christ is being formed in me. Otherwise, I would have no idea how to do that. Deliberately set. And when you think about this, this is progressive. This this word literally means to congeal. It's like the setting of concrete. This means it's a progression. You You have to do some things to get your mind set. If you don't, your mind will get set on other things. Some people's minds are set on, I'm a failure. Some people's minds are set on, I don't have a future. Every time it seems like I get one step ahead, it's three backwards. Nothing ever works. Some people's mind is set as I just can't ever figure out the will of God for my life. Right? But this is saying, forget everything down here. Set your mind on things above. And then in case you don't understand what he's saying, he goes, not on things of the earth. Don't set your mind on your career. You want to be at the top of your career? Set your mind on things above. And he will exalt you. The blessing of the Lord, it'll make you rich, but there's no toil. There's no toil with that. Remember, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It says here, for you are dead and your life, your Zoe life, is, is hid with Christ in God. Now look at verse 10 in, in Colossians chapter 3. And this is where it talks about how that on the inside of you, as you are setting your affection on things above, and as you meditate in the word of God, and now you're allowing Christ to live through you. Now in order to do that, you're going to have to keep your flesh on the altar because your flesh will want to control you. That's your part. You keep it on the altar, and then you renovate your mind with the word of God. Right? 
So you, you, that's how your life is transformed. But this is what's happening. And have put on the new man. You have to dress yourself on the new man. We're going to talk a lot about that in this identity thing. You have to actually put it on. Dress yourself in the new man. The new man, that's the man on the inside, your spirit, which is renewed in knowledge. It's renewed in revelation knowledge of who? Of who Jesus is. Your spirit is only renewed in revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. All the revelation in the word of God will all be a revelation of who Jesus is. That is eternal life, to know the one true God and Jesus, his son, whom he sent. This is a huge thing. It's renewed in knowledge after the image. This is the, this is the word that hurts. The image. This means an exact image that is being sculpted and carved. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you sculpting and carving, growing your spirit up as, as you're gaining revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. In the, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, he said, as you peer into Jesus, you are, you are changed, metamorphosed, transformed, into the same image. We're, we're transformed. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit is, is literally, your spirit's complete. It's just not completely developed. But as you, as you renew it in revelation knowledge all the time, it, now Christ is being formed in you and what's on the inside just starts showing on the outside. This is why we say, see so many Christians, we're missing it. We're trying to live for God. Come to church, let me teach you how to live for God. Man, I used to go to church and I'd sit there and hear the pastor say, you have to live holy. You gotta stop lying. You gotta stop cheating. You gotta stop doing this and you gotta stop doing that. And I'm sitting there going, I want to. How? Because it's impossible to do that if Christ is informed in you. If you don't understand who you are and that you've literally been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, it's impossible to change your behavior. And so you have Christians that are frustrated. And what we do in our society now is we just get busy. I'd like to go to church just too busy. Yeah, I love God, but I'm just too busy. Right? And we just fill up our schedules. Every one of us could fill up our schedules. I'm a pastor. I could fill up my schedule to the point where I'm never in the word. Know a lot of pastors that are there. Right? That's like you're, you're just you're like a plane going down. But man, when Christ is being formed in you, then he's showing up on the outside. The sensit your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to his word and everything becomes so clear. You were created to hear his voice, to know him. You were created to walk with God. Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, Jesus, that created him, the new man. Galatians 4.19, this is the other scripture that I was talking to you about, about Paul. This is Paul's passion in ministry. The passion of his life was to know Christ. The passion of his ministry for others was this. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This is huge. See, Satan will try to keep you thinking wrong so that he can shape your identity through these other determinisms. He want, in other words, he wants to take, he wants to get you thinking wrong so that now you are being shaped by the world and you won't even know it. So many times Christians think that they're mature when they're missing it. They're over here focused on this 
They're focused on the anthill when the Mount Everest is about to cave in on them. And it's, it's all, it all gets back to identity. So our identity is found in who we are in Christ. That's how it's found. Boy, I, I, you know, I just, I can't say it enough. Your identity is found in Christ, the only place it's found. Does that sound simple? It is so simple. But I'm telling you, the enemy is a master at getting you distracted. Christ is our life. He doesn't, he's not just the one that gives you life. See, that's, don't think like that. He doesn't just give me life. He is my life. We've got to get this right. This is like we're laying a foundation for your whole Christian life right now. We must die. This is, this is the hard part. We must die to ourselves and let Christ live through us without hindrance. That's the goal. I, like tonight, as I stand before you, man, I just, everything within me, I'm like, okay, right now on the inside of me, I'm like, Jesus, can you just, just say this in a way that every one of us can get it? Because we got to get this. See, Satan does not want you to find out who you are in Christ. So he's always going to be telling you, don't die to yourself. Right? Hey, you're too tired. You've been, you've been in the word a lot. Just take a break today. Don't worry. You know that confession? I know. You know, just listen. Just, just give yourself a little bit of a break. You know, I know it's been hard. You've been walking by faith for a while. Just, you know, just, you could be real for a little while. Just give yourself a break. Right? He'll bring people into your life. You'll get invited to all kinds of stuff, which is great unless you're invited to go on this place that you've wanted to go for 20 years and the Lord's like, yeah, don't go. I, I need to talk to you about something. What you don't know is if you spend time with him, he'll make sure you go to some place like that, but he'll go first, you'll go first class, he'll pay for it, everything. You never miss out on anything serving God. Never, never. Satan doesn't want you to find out who you are in Christ. Because when you find out who you are in Christ, it takes all the limits off of you. Now, all things are possible because you believe. It removes all boundaries in your life, which what it does is it causes you... See, life without limits, life without boundaries, you know what that is? It's Zoe life, which Jesus came and gave you. You actually have it right now. Right now. The power of the gospel, the power of the gospel of Christ produces our in Christ identity. It's the power. See, this is how we find out. Power is released as I meditate in this, as I get this in my heart and I have it coming out of my mouth, power is released to literally cause me to be changed, transformed, and find out who I am. So many Christians never do. And if they're talented enough, see, some people are talented. So we look at their talents and go, wow, they're so talented. But what we don't realize is we've never really seen their gift. We've seen little glimpses of it, but it's buried under a lot of carnality, a lot of false identity. But boy, if you could see somebody's gift uncovered, wow. And see, that's where we get in the church. We look at the outward thing, and then we go to that person, and it's like, wow, you know, you're so awesome. When in reality, no, man, you're missing God's whole plan for your life. We can't, we can't judge these things outwardly, right? we got to judge it with the word of God. 
So what do we do? I judge only one person on this planet. That's me. That's it. Every, everything else, I just judge fruit. Only for the purpose if it, if, if it has to do with something like here at the ministry. You know, we're, we're not going to have somebody teach unless we see some fruit in their lives, right? We judge the fruit, but we never judge the person. This is huge. So let's get into this now. We're going to talk about the doctrine because this is a doctrine you've got to understand. You have to understand the doctrine of one man. The doctrine of one man. This is foundational in learning about your identity in Christ. So turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You guys doing okay? You look so serious. I'm hoping it's because you're so engaged and you're just drawn. I could kind of feel that that's the case. Praise God. Lord, help people because I know Wednesday nights are hard. You know, guys, you have no idea. When you make a commitment to God and you put him first like this, man, you, you have no idea. Because the Lord told me this years ago, do you know there, it's just like when I went to Rama, they made this statement. And the Lord said, this is the way our Wednesday night services, so much more is caught than is being taught. So while you're learning some things, man, your spirit is, is just catching a lot of stuff. So praise God. And if you fall asleep, just know your spirit's still catching stuff. Romans chapter 5, verse 14. It says this, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the resemblance, that's what that means, of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So here, what we're going to have in this passage is, is there's one man, Adam, that is compared to one man, Jesus Christ. Okay? One man, Adam, compared to one man, Jesus Christ. One man's sin is compared to one man's obedience or one man's righteousness. Okay? So keep that in mind. If you want to, let me give you an aerial view of the whole Bible. The whole Bible is about two men. Now, there's stories about a bunch of other people, but it's all about two men. It's all about two men. You must understand the story of these two men to understand the root of the Bible. To really understand the root, the why, the thing behind it, you've got to understand it's about two men. Okay? One man, Adam, got us in the mess. One man, Jesus Christ, got us out of the mess. Okay? This is deep, isn't it? Yeah. This is my kind of deep right now. To be honest with you, man, the more I look at this, the deeper it gets. That's the thing. The same spiritual law that allowed the sin of one to affect all of us is the same spiritual law that allows the obedience of one to affect all of us. And that's where most Christians don't understand that. Because they sit here and go, Pastor, you don't understand. If you saw my life, the behind the scenes, the sin that nobody knows, I've got this stuff going on in my life. No, 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 I don't need to understand that. What you need to understand is the doctrine of one man. And you need to understand the two men. That the disobedience of one it affected every human being. The obedience of one. Man, I got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. Affected every one of us. But wait till we go into it. 
Because you're going to see the word of God tell you that the disobedience, what it did to everybody else, cannot even be compared to what the obedience of one did for all of us. Man, my first birth identified me with Adam. January 22nd, 1962, when I popped out of my mom, Cook County Hospital, Chicago, Illinois, it identified me with Adam. My new birth identifies me with Jesus Christ. July of 1966, I got born again in the kitchen of our house on Giddings in Austin. We had a little two-bedroom apartment underneath my grandparents. They owned the building. And I walked into the kitchen. I walked out of the living room from watching TV, walked into the kitchen on a Sunday afternoon, and I said, Mom, I want to accept Jesus. And when I accepted Christ, I was literally identified with Jesus now. No longer identified with Adam because that person died that day. Do you know when somebody dies, could, could you imagine? See, this is, what, this is the problem. We're, we're still seeing ourselves as the old man. And the reason why we do that is because sometimes, see, that old man... The, the nature of that old man still in my flesh, and it could side with my unrenewed mind and mess with me. And I start doing sinful or unrighteous behavior, and I start to think that I'm that old man, but I'm not. And if I ever realize that I'm not, then I could walk free from that behavior. <clears throat> That's the key. In other words, my new birth identifies me with Jesus Christ. That means my identity comes from Jesus Christ. That's it. It doesn't come from anything else. Verse 15 of Romans chapter 5. But, you could say it this way, not as the offense. Now get this. But... Look at that. Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. It took me, I, we read that. We just, this is what we do. We read through Romans, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, no, time out. Does that make any sense to you? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Not as, so also. That completely is, it, that doesn't make any sense. It says, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Isn't that good news? Not as, so also. What does that mean? This is what it means. You want me to tell you what it means? Okay. What happened in Adam cannot be compared to what happened in Jesus. So let's bring it right down to you. What happened to you in Adam cannot even be compared to what's happened to you in Christ. And there are scripture after scripture that backs all that up. You gotta, you gotta know this. Every man everywhere has been affected by these two men. You can see the damage Satan did in Adam. You read the word of God, you could see it. If you, if you don't want to read the word of God, just turn on the news and you could see the damage everywhere that's a result of, of what, Adam, what Satan did in Adam, right? Don't, but here's the thing, don't act like what Satan did in Adam is even close to what God did in Jesus. It's not even close. The righteousness that you have been made is so far beyond whatever happened to you in Adam with that old man. I mean, it, you're dead in Christ now. 
You died and now you've been born again. And what happened to you when you got born again, it can't even be compared to what happened to you when, when you were born in sin. Boy, when you realize that, you realize you, you have power over your behavior. Sin won't have dominion over you anymore. Man, I could walk in the love of God. I could walk by the faith of God. I could say to this, see, what are we talking about? Faith. Why don't people say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea? Because while they're saying that, they don't believe what they're saying because they're just Tony. Kind of the mess. No, 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 no. You, as you sit here tonight, have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You have been given a measure of the very faith of God that he used to create all this stuff. You literally have in you the very love of God that empowers the faith of God. See, this is why our... Again, my whole identity is wrapped up in Christ. The grace of God is so much greater. If Satan can convince you that these two events are close, then you will struggle with genetic determinism environmental determinism and psychological determinism and you will never know the in him or in Christ determinism. It'll beat you up. It'll follow you all the days of your life. This is why don't let Satan convince you. This was not, this is what Satan did in Adam and this is what God did in Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't even let him go, this is what Satan did in Adam. This is what God did in Jesus. Nope, not even close. You, you cannot even compare. You can't even compare the two. God's work in Christ exceeds any damage to us by Adam's fall. It, it far exceeds it. So this is what this is like. You were born into death. And you had this bill. And this bill was $1,000. It was a $1,000 bill, but you had no ability to have any money or anything. And God came into your life. And he didn't pay $1,000. He came into your life and he put $100 trillion into your account. That's exactly what it... You can't compare $1,000 to $100 trillion. Boy, church, we got to get this. Can't understand grace. Can't understand faith can't operate in faith, can't understand righteousness till you understand who you are. Man, I'm telling you, when Jesus went to that cross, he made you brand new. You have the ability. You will yield all your fruit in your season. See, Christians are running around right now timid. Oh, I don't know if I should talk to that person. They might not like me. Are you kidding me? You have the kingdom of God in you. You have the very anointing of God, the very presence of God, the very love of God that is un... It's literally, it's unconditional. It's unlimited. Amen. You have the wisdom of God in you. You have the God in you who knows the key to that person's heart. Instead, we should just be... No, no, you know, I just need three more weeks in James Kennedy's class on evangelism explosion. I use that as an example because I used to teach that class. No, you don't. Just walk around going, okay, God, I'm available. The mere, your mere presence will change things when you understand who you are. And people will come up to you and go, wow, there is just something about you. And you smile and you go, yeah, but you know, it's really not me. It's Christ who's living through me, and he loves you. See, we have, we have people that when they don't know their identity, they, their chest comes out. I'm a word of faith person. You know, I sat under Brother Hagen himself. He actually talked to me for 10 minutes. 
right? Man, I mean, so much so that I just want to start walking like this. (laughs) And I want to blow on people. (laughs) Right? Instead of realizing, wait, no, 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 no. We lift up all this, this, this man of God and this woman of God. No. What about Jesus? Man, what Jesus did, he did it all. And he did it all for you. I love this. See, when God paid $100 trillion to pay off your $1,000 debt, there's enough left in the account for you to live 100 lifetimes and never exhaust it. That's what you have in salvation right now. Except it's not $100 trillion. It's unlimited. Because the Bible says things like, Jesus goes, yeah, you know, everything that the Father has is mine. And, uh, and, and Jeanette, you're a co-heir. So everything the Father has is yours too. What? We get stressed out about paying off a house when we own the planet. And when you realize that you own the planet, you'll never get, you'll never, you'll never be money-minded and seeking after this fleshly stuff because you know no, 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 I already have everything. And I don't want anything in my life that he hasn't given me. And I have access to everything. This, this, is, this is our identity, guys. This is huge. Sin. Sin cannot damage you. Where redemption cannot deliver you, cannot cleanse you, cannot make you free and make you whole. The world needs to know that. You, as you sit here tonight, man, sin might have damaged you. Other people, and and the result of Adam's sin from other people might have damaged you, but I'm telling you, where redemption cannot deliver, cleanse, make you free, make you whole. Listen, you have been, you're a new creature in Christ. It's who you are. Jump down to verse 17. Now we could kind of get into verse 17 a little bit. See, I'd really love to teach a verse-by-verse study to you guys on the book of Romans. It took me months with the men. It might take years here. I don't even know. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, that's Adam's offense, death reigned by one, much more. And this this phrase, much more, in the Greek means so much more, it cannot be compared. You can't compare it. It's incomparable. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Verse 21, let's check this out. That is sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto, not by, unto eternal life. Grace has full and superior dominion through righteousness And it causes it unto eternal life. God wants you. See, Jesus came and gave you a more than enough supply of Zoe life. I've come that you might have Zoe and have it more abundantly. Actually, in the Greek, you could translate it too much. You you just have too much Zoe. Why? Too much. You can't keep it to yourself. And the more you give it, the more it grows. The more you give out, the more it'll grow. I mean, it's just, this is the way it is. Most Christians are doing nothing for God because they're afraid to step because they don't know who they are. But what happens is when you start stepping, it starts growing. The minute you give something, it multiplies. And all of a sudden where your cup was kind of trickling over a little bit, now it's starting to flow over. Then you give more and it starts flowing more. You, have you ever talked to somebody who teaches a Bible study? You're just like, oh my gosh. When I teach, man, I am just overflowing all the time. 
It's the way it is when you minister to other people. And yet, we write books in the ministry about burnout. Come on. You don't know this verse. Because you can't burn out in ministry. What do I mean by that? Why do people burn out? Because they're doing ministry in their own strength because they don't know who they are. They're trying to live for God instead of letting God just live through them. See, I work out what God is working in. I'm not going to go pray for three hours because Satan wants me to pray. Hey, man, you better pray. Things are getting bad. Shut up. I'll go to a movie. Right? Why? Because, because I am a child of God. I'm in Christ. Jesus never got stressed. Well, I shouldn't say that. He got stressed one time. When the full revelation hit him about being made sin and all that stuff. And what did he do? Right? He just yielded to the Lord. And when he got up from there, and he, he, he came out of that situation... Man, even when in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. Three to six hundred fully armed Roman soldiers on the ground under the power of God. Why? Because he was overflowing. Went to the cross. See, he already went through everything in the garden. That's why he could stand in front of Pilate and go, listen, no man takes my life. You imagine that blood running down his face from the crown of thorns. He was beaten. He was weak. All this other stuff. And he's like, yeah, no man takes my life. Pilate, you don't have any power. Right? On the cross. Father, forgive him. Do you think any of those people, could you imagine? That Roman soldier who nailed the nails in his foot. When he stands, if he, if I, I believe all those guys got saved, but let's say one of them didn't, they won't stand before the white throne judgment and have to deal with that sin. Father, for, when, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, boom, those books were erased on that deal. Boy, we got to get this right. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So now let's, let's we're going to close this thought. Wow, because if I keep going. Go to Ephesians 2.10. So I'm fixing to close, but I'm really close to closing. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. I love this. This is who you are. It says, for we are his workmanship. It's the Greek word poema. We are his workmanship. We get the word poem from this Greek word. This word is giving us a picture that we are God's work of art. We are God. You could translate this. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus unto good works notice it doesn't say by good works we weren't created by our good works no we were created in Christ Jesus and because we were created God's masterpiece we were created unto good works good works flow out of who we are Right? Works is not the root of my salvation. Works is the fruit of my salvation. Right? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Good works can never produce a new nature. The new nature produces the good works. Created in Christ Jesus means that God, now get ready for this, Created in Christ Jesus. Now you got to understand this statement. This means that God put in Christ everything that he wanted for you. Wow. He put everything. Everything he put in Christ was what he wanted for you. 
That's amazing. That, that's amazing to me. God is the master at changing identities. Unless your identity changes, you'll never fulfill the plan, purpose, and destiny for your life. God's destiny for you is bigger than your identity for yourself. To deal with your divine destiny, you must deal with your divine identity. Let me say that again. To deal with your divine destiny, you must deal with your divine identity. This is huge. God is everything that the word says he is. Jesus is everything the word says he is. Jesus has done everything that the word says he has done. You must believe that you are everything that the word says you are. So we're going to start getting into some of this. Now, in the bookstore, there's a little book. It's a little blue and white book, and it says on the front of it, In Him. There are around 130 scriptures that tell you who you are. Not going to be, but who you are in Christ Jesus. This, we're going to get into some of this stuff. Prepositions, I'm telling you. They're everything. There's power in the preposition, and we're going to get into some of that.